Welcome to Primal Screen. This is your host, Nick Greystone. For the next hour, we're going to talk about fantasy, reality, and everything in between. Let's go. What up, what up, what up, kitty, kitty, kitties? Woo! Niz is back. Nick Greystone. This is Primal Scream with yours truly. Hope everyone is having an awesome week. I know I am. Yes. Um, yeah, here we go. Episode four. Wow. We have so much to talk about tonight. Um, even breaking news that just happened, which is, uh, we'll get into that. But, um, I did want to start off this, uh, this show right now with, um, a, uh, a shout out. Now... It's a friend. It's actually friends of mine that are uh, a t-shirt company. They're celebrating their 20th year of selling t-shirts, selling hats, selling all types of different horror uh, goods. They're based in Rochester. They're none other than my friends, Fright Rags. Um, amazing. 20 years. 20 years to be in business. That's a major accomplishment. Um, the other day I saw the post, it blew my mind. Now, for those of you who know me, um, you know that I wear the horror gear year round and there's only a couple of go-to, um, t-shirt companies that have my, uh, you know, return business and Fright Rags is definitely at the top of that list. Um, congratulations guys. 20 years again that's an major major accomplishment go to frightrags.com check out what they got i'm actually rocking some of their gear tonight if you could see i am wearing the amity island jaws hat it's pretty dope and i am rocking the buffalo bill silence of the lambs glow in the dark t-shirt i really don't know if you really want to see this dude glowing in the dark um i mean you actually see the top half of him which is not as um, disturbing as seeing him tuck in his junk like he does in the movie. But out of sight, out of mind, that's his business. Whatever old Billy Boy wants to do, that's fine. All right, so um, that is the first shout-out of the evening. The second shout-out tonight is um, my other friend, um, Chris Ott, who does London 1888 and uh, Monster uh, Heel. He's a part of this um, Famous Monsters Fest that's coming up. And Famous Monsters yesterday just announced um, David Patrick Kelly. So David Patrick Kelly, he played T-Bird in The Crow. He also played Sully in Commando. And just recently, I only knew this, I did not know that in Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours, and The Warriors, he was all in those movies and he played the name Luther. Um I don't think it's the same guy because he definitely gets killed in the Warriors. He gets killed in 48 hours. I know he gets arrested in Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, but, yeah, unbelievable. Luther, um, I've, I've wanted to meet this guy. He really doesn't do conventions. So, uh, yeah, Famous Monsters is really bringing a great show. They're coming uh, October 13th and 15th. To the Valley Forge Casino in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Um, they already have a monster lineup to begin with. They have the Osbournes, 
the whole family, Ozzy, Sharon, Jack and Kelly, um, horror icon Tom Savini, uh, Kane Hodder, who played Jason in four of the Friday the 13th films, um, and Norman Reedus. Norman Reedus, um, he played Daryl in The Walking Dead. Now, <clears throat> this guy's a rock star in his own uh, sense. You know, this he hasn't done a show in five years, and this is his first one. So uh, I'm sure they're going to pack out the place. It's a pretty awesome lineup for their first show. So, uh, you know, if you're in the area, October 13th to uh, 15th, go check out Famous Monsters. Go to FamousMonstersFest.com to check that out. And, uh, yeah, you know what? That's awesome. I could start the show off with some positivity. Friends doing good. And um, let's move right along to the breaking news. Actually, it was from last night. Uh, now, this is an unbelievable story. I don't think I need to put on my true crime hat for this because there's really no crime committed. Except if, you know, you are the man wearing the, uh, the drawers that were repeatedly shit in for enough for them to turn a plane around and have an emergency landing. I actually did put a picture up right now because that's the graphic that was uh, shown through the, uh, through the news. I'm only fucking with you. I thought it was funny to add, but yes, a Delta Airlines um, flight from Atlanta to Barcelona, which is fitting because I feel like this guy just won the gold medal for shits. And shitting in your pants because it was a biohazard issue. The, the the pilot actually called ahead and said, we have to land this plane because it's a biohazard issue that a passenger has uncontrollable diarrhea. Now, let me just, I, I kind of comprehend this because like biohazard issue, like, that has to be some serious shitting going on. Like, I saw some pictures. I'm not going to share them, but, like, if you want to Google them, that's on, on you. But it's all down the aisle. Like, this dude shit from one end of the plane to the other. And let me tell you, like, I know personally speaking, I've had some legendary shits. Like, so bad that I've actually shit my socks. Like, beyond my pants. And I just don't ever think that I would ever classify it as a biohazard. Like, that has to be some serious shit going on. Like, unbelievable. And I can only imagine the flight deck saying that they're, you know, they're cleared. Because it could be like, you know, something like DL-194. You're number two for landing right now. <laughs> With a plane full of shit. Uh, yeah, they they were like two hours into their flight. They had to turn back to the, to the airport. And uh, I guess the cleanup crew came in and, um, you know, I, I guess they tried to, like, cover it when they were flying. And one of the passengers actually made a statement saying that they were spraying some vanilla scent to cover it up. But all it smelled like was vanilla shit. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Um, luckily, no one was injured in the, uh, in the flyby shitting and, um, you know... Just hopefully everyone got to a safe destination after the, uh, the shit went down. So, yeah, we had to uh, start off the podcast on a, uh, a shitting tail note. Um, I had a great week last week, concert-wise. Um, I went to go see the Smashing Pumpkins at uh, Jones Beach. I actually saw uh, two shows that week. But the first one was Smashing Pumpkins. Um, 
I haven't seen them in a long time, and uh, they sounded great. You know, it was a, it was a great time. I ended up uh, going with my uh, my good friend Jen Jen Ruane. Um, we had an awesome time, a lot of laughing going on, hanging out in the parking lot beforehand. And, you know, we went into the show. We had some great seats. We weren't on the floor, which was a good thing, because on the floor, because of the storms that were there, the whole general admission was flooded out. So people had to stand in there, like, ankle deep, like, with water. So, I mean, I did that once for Ozzy. I don't think I would do that for Smashing Pumpkins. You know, I like them. I don't love them like I do Ozzy. But, um... In any case, they played a great show, great time. So, uh, yeah, that was my first Jones Beach concert of the season. Usually I go to a lot, but uh, some reason they sandwiched a lot of shows at the end of the season. So I uh, had to take advantage of that. Then uh, on Saturday, I um, I met up with some friends from, uh, from Schmidt's Farm, my friends uh, Lou and Scott and Kelly, and we went to go see The Offspring, Sum 41, and Simple Plan. And, um, man, like the last time I saw Offspring was at Woodstock 1999. And I can't even say that if I saw them or not because, I mean, I was there. They were there. Um, physically, I was there. Mentally, I don't know if I was there or not because other than, like, you know, being, you know, in the vibe of Woodstock 99 and probably being out of my fucking mind and being that it was 190,000 degrees out. I probably had sunstroke, you know, high, drunk, whatever the case may be. But, yeah, this was actually probably my first time seeing Offspring that I could actually remember. So it was good. They were great. They actually put on an amazing show. Like, I couldn't believe how many songs that Offspring has. Like, right out the bat, they played self-esteem. And I'm like, holy shit, these dudes are swinging for the fences. And they didn't stop from there. They played, like, a lot of... uh, a lot of hits, a lot of um, great songs. There was a great um, piano version of Gone Away that uh, definitely got the waterworks going on. You know, I was thinking about, you know, some of my uh, my friends that are not here anymore, you know, my pops. And, um, you know, I was sitting there and trying to cover up uh, the tears at a punk show, but uh, it's not so punk for that, but whatever. It's all good. Uh, Sum 41, you know, they were great. They were uh, rocking. They're very, they're like, they're kind of like a hard metal punk band, which uh, I'm totally into. I love that. You know, in Simple Plan, they were great. Um, I I hadn't seen, I think this was actually the first time I had seen them before. And um, I made a joke saying that I felt like I was a... Um, a 24-year-old skater boy, but actually at 46 years old. So um, it was good. I had a great time. Lots of uh, laughs again. And, uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a great show. I'm looking forward, actually, to this weekend because this weekend I'm going to see Alice Cooper and Rob Zombie. And uh, that's going to be awesome because I'm actually taking Zozo there. Uh, we're going to put on our Alice Cooper makeup and get into character and uh, – it's going to be a fun time. So uh, last week I was saying I hope that the Reaper takes a break because uh, it was way too much, but um, he did not. The Reaper claimed three musicians this week. Uh, I wouldn't say they're my favorite musicians, but still sucks. Um, 
especially this first guy I'm going to talk about, Steve Harwell from uh, Smash Mouth. Um, this dude's 56 years old. Uh, they announced on, like, Thursday that he was going into hospice for liver failure, and uh, he ended up passing away um, on Sunday. And it's just it's sad, man. That dude's that's a young age, you know. Fifty six for me is not around. You know, it's right around the corner. And uh, it's sad when when it when it's close to your age and everything. And uh, you know, I wasn't a huge Smash Mouth fan. Um, they had those hits, you know, Walking on the Sun and uh, All Star, and they did the cover of I'm a Believer for Shrek. So it really took a life on its own with those songs from Shrek because, you know, I watched those movies with Zozo, so she knows of them. So uh, I appreciated them more. I got to say, though, you know, Walking uh, walking on the Sun and All Star, when I was working at TGI Fridays in the late 90s and the early 2000s, that tune was in constant rotation with Closing Time, Chumba Wumba, and Every Morning. So not to say anything bad about the dead, but if, it wouldn't be any time soon if I didn't have to hear that song ever again. With all that said, though, Steve Harwell, rest in peace, bro. Like, you know, I'm sorry that it had to go that way. Um, the next guy, uh, Jimmy Buffett, uh, 76 years old. Um he had some type of melanoma. Um, it, it sucks, too. You know, 76 is young, too. But, you know, he did live a uh, a longer life. And um, I got to give a shout-out to uh, one of the best tailgates ever because those parrot heads definitely know how to party. Like, I went to one of them once, and they... Bring out all like they break out all the stops, you know. Like it's nine o'clock in the morning until the show starts. You know, I actually took a nap during it because, like, you know, I'm there having breakfast. Next thing you know, I'm doing, you know, shots of tequila, having the land shark beer, and you know, keeping keeping it flowing, trying to keep up. And it was all about pace for that day. Um, I do gotta say though that I did have a terrible blackout drunk once in Margaritaville. And it was in Florida at the uh, Universal Studios City Walk. It was so bad. Um, as I was told, because I don't recall most of this, but uh, I'm pretty sure that we were almost close to getting thrown out of Universal Studios because uh, I was with an ex at the time. Me and her started getting into it. We were with a f her friend. She chimed in. And that's when Diablo came out. I So I hear. I wasn't aware of it. And he proceeded to scream at them. And scream at the friend. And say, listen. I only have one person busting my balls. I don't need you to chime in. And I think she got scared and ran away. And that's when they came in and tried to split us up. So they kind of like put us in our corners. And make us come to our senses. So yeah, a uh, a drunken tale from Margaritaville. Um, again, I don't drink tequila anymore, and I think that's probably the main reason why I don't. So Jimmy Buffett, rest in peace, sir. And the last one is um, Gary Weaver. Uh, he was 80 years old. Uh, his big hit was uh, Dream Weaver from 1975. Gary Wright. Gary Wright. I said Weaver. Well, Dream Weaver. Oh, Gary Weaver. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. 
Sorry, bro. It was Gary Wright with Dreamweaver was the song. I don't know why I wrote Gary Weaver. <laughs> well, that was a uh, dickhead move of me. I do apologize to the recently deceased for fucking up your name, sir. Um, but I am giving you a shout out, so maybe you could forgive me for that. Uh, well, anyway, Dreamweaver had a second life of its own when it had um, came out in Wayne's World. They uh, re-recorded it, and uh, that's you know the scene where uh, Wayne is looking at Tia Carrera on stage, fantasizing, and you know every time he sees her playing, that song comes on. So uh, yeah, um, actually, I got to do say something about uh, Gary Wright. He uh, was famous for playing the uh, the guitar, which is like the guitar keyboard um, apparatus. Looks kind of cool. Uh, one of my good friends, Ari Lehman, who is in the band First Jason, he does that, and he's a mean guitar player. So uh, I'm sure he was influenced by uh, by the OG guitar player, that's uh, Gary Wright. So rest in peace, sir. All right. Um, I don't know why I didn't couple this with the uh, shitting on the plane. I guess I had to uh, space them out a little bit or whatever, but... Um, I want to talk about this uh, this viral porta potty fight. Um, it was at a Morgan Whalen concert at uh, Pittsburgh's PNC Park. I do believe I have video. Um, I actually have two videos. I'm going to show you the real one first. Now, uh, a representative from Pittsburgh Department of Public Safety tells Billboard that though there are no arrests, there are plenty of ejections for intoxication, and no charges were made. Because the the incident, like the people that were involved, quickly dispersed before the police were ma- uh, made aware of the fight. So I'm going to show the video. I'll let you guys um, relive it again. It was the hot meme for a minute. Um, I don't know if uh, it's really hot that right now, but uh, I still enjoy watching it. It's basically girls kicking the shit out of each other and throwing themselves in a porta potty, um, and. Uh, let me uh, let me put the video on and uh, you guys can check it out. <laughs> yeah, like the one that comes in. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, she's no joke, man. She's like China from WWE. She's like tossing fucking girls. She's like the regulator. <laughs> yeah, man, that's uh, that's something right there. So yeah, they uh they were basically beating the shit out of each other, and then like I said, the girl in the white boots came in like China in uh, WWE and just wrecked shit, ripping ripping hair and fighting. And I mean, I think you'd expect this at like a Slayer concert or something, like fucking Morgan Whalen. I guess these country girls, man, don't fuck around, bro. But it's not even like it's in Pittsburgh. I'm like, it's not even really like. It's not redneck no, it's not redneck enough, right? 
no, like, uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, I obviously I'm trying to uh, monetize on this uh, incident of the uh, the shit house brawl. So uh, I actually made a video. Well, you know, the man behind the curtain made the video, my man Meds, and we uh, put our own little soundtrack to it. So uh, I don't know if I have that available too, but I think this is it. Right? This is it. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. There we go. There we go. See? Now Demon Scar is the perfect soundtrack for a shithouse brawl. Perfect. <laughs> oh, it's classic, you know. Just unbelievable. So yeah, uh, like I said, you know, Demon Scar, the perfect soundtrack for that. Uh, like, I don't know anything really about Morgan Whalen. Uh, I'd never really listened to. To be honest with you, I don't even know if it's a guy or a girl, because Morgan can go either way, you know. But I, I just don't see that at a country show. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I just don't know. Maybe I should educate myself on Morgan Whalen if I'm going to talk about. The concert, but really, I wasn't talking about the concert. I was just talking about the incident at the shit house at the it's concert. Guy. It's a guy. Oh, it's a guy. I okay. Up myself. Yeah. So. I don't know. All right. So uh, last week, I really didn't. I had a, a bit that I wanted to talk about because of the world famous mugshot that came out, and um, I didn't have enough time, or I just it passed my mind. So uh, I just want to go through this quick right now. Um, Donald Trump's mugshot is fucking amazing. And I don't want it to die. Like, I want it to continue because I've always been a fan of mugshots. I feel it gets the best of you. Like, it it's, gets a great representation of you at your worst time, maybe. But I don't think old Donald was having a bad time. Like, I think he knew exactly what he was doing, exactly how he was posing. Because he's selling this shit on his website right now. Like... I mean, if the world wasn't filled with political assholes, I'd probably be rocking the shirt right now. But I really don't want to do that because in this day and age, you know, you fly that flag and, like, people just take it the wrong way. And, you know, I don't like to do politics. I'm just commenting on his amazing mugshot. So with that being said, I went back and I uh, cherry-picked some of my favorite mugshots so, Tony, you could just uh, fire when ready, sir, and uh, we could just go through this little uh, little screenplay. Yeah, we go. The Crypt Keeper. You know, that's a great mugshot. I actually, you know, they made that to make fun of the Donald Trump thing. But, all right, so what do we got after that? All right, so there was some memes going on. Here's one, which is hysterical. Is that the one about getting picked up going to the airport? Yeah, when yeah. someone asks if I can give them a ride to LaGuardia at 5 in the morning. <laughs> We've all been that guy getting asked to go and drop and you do it but you put on your little uh pouty face your donald pouty face so yeah that's pretty funny yeah there he is throwing up gang signs <laughs> love that perfect <laughs> oh yeah donald that's uh, another one that they, they put her you know and mama fratelli i mean that's deadpan rest in peace and ramsey mama fratelli from the uh from the goonies Actually, I could do a uh, great impersonation of her, but it's not from The Goonies. It's from another movie, and it goes like this. Owen, give me a Coke with ice. 
<laughs> Holy shit! I just had a dream that Louis Armstrong was trying to kill me. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, I don't know exactly. Oh, is that like uh, the f- the first picture is smiling, uh, going to pick up bagels. The mugshot is they ran out of egg everything. <laughs> We've all been there too, living on Long Island, the best bagels in the world. So, oh yeah, our boy Montgomery Burns on Candy. The Simpsons got it right again, calling it, calling it out. Uh, this is the last one. Oh yeah, this is my uh, one of my favorites. This is one I made actually. Uh, I superimposed Donald as the uh, party time with the bear in The Shining. Um, those two kids, man, they had a room, but they just didn't use the door. Ugh, <laughs> sickening. <laughs> Well, yep, that was my uh, little mugshot thing. So, all right. So this week, because all the kitty kitties went back to school, my uh, beautiful little angel, she started third grade. Uh, she is having an awesome week. But I did my homework too, and I picked five movies dealing with school, and uh, not the five best, but I feel like five movies that are interesting enough to talk about that deal with school. So the first one I'm going to talk about is 1993's Days and Confused. Um, that was directed by Richard Linklater, who um, is a very inspirational director. He actually inspired Kevin Smith when he put out Slacker to uh, to make Clerks. So, But we're talking about Days and Confused. Now, this movie really gave us some Hollywood heavyweights before their stardom. Matthew McConaughey, Ben Affleck, and Linklater all went on to be Oscar nominated and actually McConaughey won an Oscar and Ben Affleck has two Oscars that he won. Um, The soundtrack is amazing and it really introduced and made 70s hip to Generation X because I remember seeing it back in 1993 when it came out and I just remember like Bell Bottoms started coming back in, you know, and like all those tunes from the 70s, people started, you know, cranking them a little bit more, and it was more of an appreciation for it. It's a great, great fun movie. I actually have a video to go along with this. Now, when I was in Texas on the, the Forest Hills shoot, um, right by the airport was the high school of where they filmed this movie. So I actually uh, rolled up to the high school and I filmed this little thing and uh, I think you'll get a kick out of it because there's some commentary. So, all right, we're going to play that little clip for you. As you can see, I play the uh, Sweet Emotion by uh, Aerosmith because that's the song. Go to school today because it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Alright, I'm thinking it's cool that I'm driving in the high school uh, days and confused right now, but I just thought of something. I'm a fucking 45-year-old man listening to Aerosmith, idling going through a high school right now. <laughs> Not a good look. <laughs> so, yep, that was my little, uh, my little time in the parking lot at the days and confused high school. Moving right along, so to 1995's Billy Madison. Um, Billy Madison's directed by Tamara Davis. Uh, it really introduced the world to Adam Sandler. I feel like Adam Sandler, you know, had his SNL stuff going on, but this really like shot him into superstardom after that. 
Um, highly, very quotable. Uh, I heard that the dodgeball scene is actually for real. Like, he really pegged those kids with the ball. And that's why there's so many quick cuts, because they didn't want to show you that the kids were actually really crying, because he pegged them during it. Um, another little cool little thing. Um, originally, Adam wanted a few more of his SNL alumni, but Universal nixed that idea because they didn't want him to use the movie for an excuse to uh, invite his friends. And uh, as we all know, Adam Sandler in the end got his way because that's what he exactly did. He always brought his friends back. And uh, another guy that was in this movie that I feel like I'd introduced to the world too and uh, taken to, from us too soon was Chris Farley. Chris Farley's role in this movie, he's the bus driver. He's a maniac. And... Um, I heard that he also ad-libbed his lines in that movie. Like, Adam Sandler just gave him free reign to do the folly because you really can't control the folly or, like, direct the folly. You just got to put folly in, in it, and he'll do whatever he's got to do. And it was said that he chugged ch uh, cups of espresso to keep up with the manic energy because, you remember, he's driving the bus, and he's, like, beat red, and he's, like, you know, holding it all in and everything, and... I just thought that was a cool little uh, topic to discuss because, yeah, man, like, uh, Foley commanded that role. That was pretty awesome. It was just a cameo, but it's so memorable, you know. Um, all right, moving right along to uh, 1989's Lean On Me. Uh, this was directed by John J. Advilson, who also directed Rocky 1 and 5 and Karate Kids 1, 2, and 3. Um this one was based on a true story uh, of Joe Clark and his unorthodox methods of straightening out Eastside High School. Um, it was actually filmed in the real Eastside High School, and they used real-life students and teachers as extras in the film, which is absolutely amazing because I don't, f like, obviously if it's based on a true story, then that school is really the way that it was. Maybe... They obviously he went in there and cleaned it up and you know took the the reins from it, but like it was still probably probably pretty uh, intense. I would think filming in a live situation like that. Um, there's a lot of people from Hollywood that were uh, asked about this movie, and for some reason or another that they turned it down. And um, I have a list of them. Uh, Sidney Poitier, um, he was actually asked to do it. But he didn't agree with Clark's views and methods, so he was out. Bill Cosby, um, they passed on him because of his low energy. I just don't see Bill Cosby in that role. You know, no one would take him seriously. They would be back to, you know, selling crack and fucking shooting up to school and stuff and probably lean on me would have been about 10 minutes with Bill Cosby at the control or whatever. Probably would have raped some of the teachers, too. He'd probably been in the teacher's lounge spiking drinks and stuff. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? Dr. Huxtable, you're naughty. Um, Eddie Murphy, who was already in contract with Paramount, so he couldn't do the role. And Danny Glover, who was already, already signed to uh, Lethal Weapon 2, he had a pass on it because that's what he was filming at the time. So, um, Morgan Friedman actually um, shadowed um, the real-life clock during school just to see what his mannerisms are and seeing how he played the principal of the school. You know, Morgan Friedman is, Friedman is a very great actor. Um, 
I think he uh, that's one of his best roles. And uh, and as a little side note too, that movie's extra special to me because in the beginning of the movie you hear uh, "Welcome to the Jungle." Now Guns N' Roses, this is just a little thing. They never really ever licensed their song to be used in anything. If you think back to the to the eighties and the nineties when they were big, there's not many movies, or if at any, that were used that used their music. Um, I can only think of three things off the top of my head. This for uh, Welcome to the Jungle, for uh, the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, they used Paradise City, and they made um, You Could Be Mine for uh, Terminator 2. But other than that, you really don't see Guns N' Roses in uh, movies, and uh, I thought it was kind of cool that they uh, they picked this one. Um, Not shocking, though, but... um, Shortly after the release of uh, the movie, Joe Clark left Eastside and became a motivational speaker and author, and he ran a juvie center in Newark until uh, 2002, and he uh, sadly passed away uh, December 29th, 2020. Um, thanks, Joe Clark. You did a good thing. All right. So moving right along, uh, we have 1982's Fast Times at Ridgemont High, directed by Amy Heckerling. Um this movie has five Oscar-nominated and four winners of the Oscar. Sean Penn, Nicolas Cage, Cameron Crowe, Forrest Whitaker, and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Um, Universal, at first, didn't think this movie was going to be a hit, and they were only going to release it in the West Coast. Um, this was also another movie that Roger Ebert classically ripped apart and said that the movie is stupid and it doesn't work, and... Uh, yeah, man. Roger, I don't know. I know he's gone too, but like, fuck you, Roger Ebert. Like, some of the movies that I loved, you ripped the shit out of. And the movies that you liked, ugh, I don't know. I think you, I don't know. I just don't like your style and your taste. So uh, I say that too because he said some nasty shit about Ryan Dunn when he passed away, you know, from Jackass. And I thought that was kind of. Uh, I think he said something on lines, along the lines, live like a jackass, die like a jackass. And, like, you know what, man? He said that, like, within 24 hours or 48 hours of the guy dying. And, you know, he, he did live life recklessly. But, you know, that's that's not the, you know, he, I don't think it was his place to say that shit. So, uh, again, I stand by my fuck you to, uh, to Roger Ebert. Um, Nicolas Cage actually lied about his age and it was his first paid role. Um, and there is a cameo of a, uh, a rock star in this movie, Nancy Wilson, who's actually, she's of heart and, uh, that's Cameron Crowe's wife. She's actually the woman in the car that's laughing at Brad Hamilton while he's dressed up in his pirate suit. Um, there's also a true crime victim that's in this movie. Um, Lana Clarkson. She was Mr. Vargas's wife. Unfortunately, Lana lost her life when she was shot and killed by Phil Spector of the Wall of Sound, he did the uh, he was a classic for the Ronettes uh, and making the Ramones album, The End of the Century. This was in 2003, and uh, rest in peace, Lana Clarkson. Mr. Han, now I never knew this. I, I read this. Mr. Han was actually offered to Fred Gwynn, but uh, he turned down the role because of uh, the sexual content, which... Let's me ease right into this one. I don't want to be crass or anything, but other than just one of the guys, I have to say that this movie, hands down, 
my pants, the greatest boob shot on this side of porn of all time. And I'm talking about Phoebe Cates' pool shot scene. And she's just a beautiful woman. And it's, I guess, an adolescent fantasy because they actually did that in the uh, in the scene and everything. And uh, being a young man and being horny all the time and seeing that, it blew my mind. And, um, yeah, I just have to uh, give a shout-out to that. And uh, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I don't have many regrets in life, but there's one regret that I do have. And my senior quote was actually taken from this movie. And it was all I need is some tasty waves, a cool buzz, and I'm fine. It's probably because I was baked when I thought it was funny that I'd put that to be immortalizes me. But those of you who know me forever know that wasn't really me. I should have done my original quote, which was Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue, because I'm still a crew head. And, but that's not so bad. If my, One of my biggest regrets is my senior quote in my yearbook. It really doesn't make a fucking difference, but to me it does. So I wanted to... Uh, to make that mention. And that being said, this is the last movie that we're going to talk about tonight. It is Back to School from 1986. There's no way that we can't mention school without mentioning Rodney's best film, arguably, arguably his best role. This is from 1986. It's directed by Alan Metter. Um, another highly quotable movie. Uh, there's so many great things that happened in this movie. Um, there's also a little bit of a cool Easter egg that I did not know. Diane, uh, who's play, who's played by Sally Carolman in the movie. Her house is actually Tommy Doyle's house from the classic 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween. I did not know that. Uh, I just actually heard about it. So I wanted to tell you guys about it. And where Thornton takes his test was the room where Jennifer Beals does her flash dance audition. I never knew that either. Hollywood always has something up his sleeve and gives you those little Easter eggs, and I try to uh, bring that to you. Again, like I said, it's very quotable. I constantly quote the uh, the Giorgio scene all the time with my friends when uh, Thornton's whipping out the Polaroids and showing Vanessa in compromising positions with Giorgio in the rumpus room, and, you know, here's you and Giorgio uh, in the... Uh, in the kitchen and in the bedroom and all that other stuff. And what's with the midget. I think that's hysterical. Um, actually also, uh, Rodney Dangerfield was a diver back in the day. I never knew that. And they put that in this movie. And although the triple Lindy is still the greatest dive, it was never a real dive that was actually performed. So, um, leaving this off with, if you ever want the recipe for Thornton Mellon's horse divorce sandwich, it actually consists of, I actually Googled this too. It's uh Spana Copita, deviled eggs and Swedish meatballs in a, in two pieces of in a hero bread. And obviously you need someone to hold it for you because that's a big bastard. You got to cut good when he calls the guy over, but there is a YouTube channel, Babish culinary universe that did a video on, uh, Showing you how to make the sandwich. All right. So with that, bringing that to a close, I want to play a uh, little bit of original music tonight. Uh, tonight's uh, featured artist, some of my friends, they're from uh, Honeybone Rush. 
They're an original heavy metal act out of uh, Southwest Florida. And I'm going to play their new single, and it's called Cemetery Girl. So here it is. Guaranteed. 
Uh, Cemetery Girl by uh, Honeybone Rush. Um, yeah, like I said, man, like Spike, uh, Spike and JP, that's uh, the two members of that band. Spike actually has a uh, podcast called Backstage with Spike, and um, he always plugs bands and everything, and I feel like no one ever puts his stuff out there, so I wanted to do that as a special shout-out to him. He's always plugging uh, the bands and, you know, Go break, having us on the uh, show, it's always a great time. And uh, Spike, the uh, the door is always open, bro, anytime you want to come on here. And uh, I always have a great conversation with you. Um, you're always plugging uh, the, the bands that are uh, in the uh, the metal underworld, like Demon Scar and Sincere and uh, The Side of Anarchy and Like Savages, All Taken, Camilla, David HK, um, Titan Sword, you know, all of us. Uh, very appreciative um and even uh some of our friends that are not musicians like our our artist friends uh my good friend ash ash carlock she uh she does art for uh for some of the bands and uh it's just a great place to uh have a great network and uh again honeybone rush check them out they're on uh all um streaming and um the uh on twitter is under uh, Backstage with Spike, so check out his uh, podcast. So, again, uh, thanks again. So, all right, moving right along. Um, I actually have some great news that uh, this film that I'm a part of, uh, Sweet Meats, um, I'm actually going to let you um, watch a little video because uh, you're going to see a familiar face, and we'll talk a little bit more after you watch this video. So uh, I'm going to put it on first. Greetings, greetings from Tromerville. I'm Lloyd Kaufman, president of Troma Entertainment and creator of The Toxic Avenger. And I'm proud to inform you that the Troma team is about to become involved in a fabulous production called Sweet Meats, brought to you by the amazing Ricky Glore and his creativity colleagues. Sweet Meats is a horror comedy that, that it's not vegetarian and uh, it's uh, in the Troma tradition of 50 years. So keep a severed ear out for more information, for great news, and follow us as we bring you reports from behind the scenes of Sweet Meats. Thank you. <laughs> greetings, greetings. So from there it Trauma. is. That's, uh, that's Uncle Lloyd, uh, Uncle Lloyd Kaufman from uh, Troma. Now, you guys know me. I am a horror uh, aficionado. I've been this way since a very young age. And um, I grew up watching his films. And now one of the films that I'm going to be in just got picked up by Troma. It's, um, it's unbelievable. It's an honor. I, I look forward to working with Ricky Glore. I'm so happy that uh, he's bringing me on as executive producer. Uh Demon Scar has a song that's going to be in the movie. It's called Eat the People. And uh, we actually meet our demise. So it's kind of like Demon Scar's Hard Day's Night. So uh, it's a uh, it's going to be a horror musical comedy 
like over the top in the vein of trauma. So uh, I'm very excited that I am a citizen of uh, Tromaville because uh, again, Toxic Avenger, Class of Newcomb High, uh, Tromeo and Juliet, all those movies growing up, um, I've, I've I've always been a fan. So uh, to be um, included in those uh, films is uh, it means the world to me. So uh, again, thanks, Ricky. Um, there's an Indiegogo going on right now. Uh, definitely check that out. Um, and also the, uh, the forest Hills also has the, uh, as an Indiegogo that's out right now. You have to uh, look into that. Um, we're in distribution talks right now. It's taken forever. Like these things do. Uh, there is a new cut of the film. Um, it is still, uh, Shelley Duvall's 20th, uh, 20 year absence, her return, um, Edward Glo- uh, Edward Furlong is in it. Um, I make a cameo in it. Demon Scars Music's in it. D. Wallace from E.T., she's in it, uh, directed by Scott Goldberg. So uh, there is an Indiegogo. You can check that out. There is uh, some uh, extra funding that needs to uh, go on for the uh, for the wrap-up for this. So uh, please you know, check that out. I will uh, make links and all that stuff available to you. Uh, and speaking of uh, Scott Goldberg, last night me and him went to see the 35th anniversary of They Live in the uh, in the movie theater, and um, yeah, it's a great cl- it's a great classic, John Carpenter. Um, what was special about it too is we went to the Westbury uh, Stadium to see it, and um, 35 years ago, not too far from there was the uh, Westbury Drive-in, and uh, a lot of the movies that I saw growing up in the movie theater, my dad brought me to. So it had me thinking about him. Um, my dad really didn't like a lot of movies. Uh, you know, he would always say, oh, that movie's stupid or whatever. But I remember him enjoying They Live. Uh, and it was a good time. And I thought of him seeing it. So it was cool uh, seeing it not too far from there. I believe that the uh, the drive-in was where the BJ's is now, next to the movie theater, like on that big land. It makes me wish that they still had it around uh, because there was a lot of uh, great films that I did see in that uh, drive-in. But, uh, yeah, they live still kick-ass. Roddy Piper, Keith David, the ultimate fight scene, six minutes long. Um, you know, cool uh, lines in the movie. And, uh, yeah, it was an excellent uh, – it was a good time. So uh, they're actually doing a couple of uh, Fathom events Christine is going to play next week, and I think they're doing The Exorcist after that. Um, keeping on this horror thing, uh, the other day I took Zozo to uh, to Schmidt's farm, and uh, little Zozo has been begging to do the uh, haunted house with her dad, and um, they're giving her the green light. So uh, she was all excited. I brought her there, and like I had her pose for pictures and stuff, and uh, there she is right there um, standing and doing her little thing. That's what she's going to be dressed like. She has a little doll. Uh, she's already getting all ready for it. She knows what she wants to do. And she's just going to, uh, I know she's going to kill it. So uh, it's kind of cool passing down the torch to her. And uh, again, yeah, Schmidt's Farm, that's going to be starting soon. Go to uh, uh, SchmidtsFarmHaunt.com. Look at uh, the, um, the tickets are on sale now and, 
you know, to avoid the last minute rush, I would say get it because once it's in the the thick of things, it's kind of hard. Some nights do sell out quicker than others. So uh, I'm going to be there five or six nights. I walked through it. It's an amazing setup this year. I'm very excited. And again, this season is going to be dedicated to our friend Michael Porciello, who um, passed away just recently. But uh, we're going to keep his spirit alive. So it's going to be a great uh, a great thing. Speaking of horror fests, we have a cool little horror fest that is going on with one of my sponsors, and it's called HorrorCon. So Julia, who is the barkeep during the day, she hit me up recently, and uh, she had this vision, and some, you know, a few of the uh, patrons of the bar uh, told her to get in contact with me because I've been going to horror conventions for a long time. So we're going to bring to you the first annual uh, horror con at Mr. Beery's. Again, Mr. Beery's um, is a sponsor of me um, and of the show. I do appreciate that. It's going to be um, Saturday, October 21st. If you're interested in selling things, being a vendor, if you you know read tarot cards, if you're an artist, if you have food to sell, if you have even some of your old school horror paraphernalia that you like to sell, Either DM me or Julia from uh, from Mr. Beery's, and uh, we will set you up. And um, it's $60 a table, but it will be a great night. And also, later on that night, uh, there are going to be special guests from, uh, we're still signing the contract with that, from um, a horror movie. They're going to uh, do a Q&A and a screening. And then after that, there's going to be some skits going on with uh, Kevin Mundy and his crew. They're going to be doing stuff. And then after that, there's going to be a couple of bands for our friend Tom Bennett. It's going to be his 50th birthday. One of my bands is playing that night. We still haven't named ourselves yet because we usually name ourselves each show. So uh, it's going to be an excellent night, October 21st. It's going to start at 3 o'clock and work its way into the, uh, the wee hours. So uh, if you want to check out this weekend at, over at Beery's, um, Friday, Artemont, the, the Say, and Graztopia, my good friend Graz is going to be playing. And then on Saturday, The Rook, they're going to be at Beery's. So uh, go check them out. Go have a good time at Beery's. It's always a fun time. Also, um, our other sponsor for, um, for the show is uh, Cloud8. They, um, they're amazing. I had, can't really say anything more uh, positive about them. If you want to keep it legal and avoid the streets, due to the simple fact you just don't know what is in anything these days, um, Delta 8 THC works well because it results in feeling of the euphoria, happiness, and relaxation without the paranoia and anxiety that come with Delta 9 THC. Using this product may also help for medicinal purposes. So for all your info, please go to cloud8delta8.com. Use Primal 10, and they'll give you 10% off of your order. And, um, yeah, they're uh, check them out. They're, uh, they're up and coming, and I'm happy that they're uh, they sponsoring me. And um, I think that's about it for... Uh, for this evening, I uh, I had a great time. I hope everyone else had a great time. Um, like I said, this weekend I'm going to go see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. I'm looking really forward to that. Um, again, 
Thank you so much for uh, for letting me invade your ear holes for a while. And uh, all I could say is, if I could give any advice, take a nice healthy shit before you get on board an airplane next time. Because you don't want to be that person that makes the plane turn around while you uh, shit all over and mess up the joint. Guys, with that being said, I'm Nick Greystone, and I'm out. Later. Thank you for listening to Primal Scream. I'm Nick Greystone, a.k.a. The Nizza. Each week, Primal Scream is produced by Tony Walker and executive produced by Demon Scar. Always remember, nobody writes your story but you. Later. Later. Yeah.